Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Here I Am podcast episode eight, which is insane that I've gotten this far already. Um, I am here with a very dear friend of mine that I've known for quite a long time. Uh, he's a very talented, beautiful soul inside and out, Mr. Andres Ramacho. What is up, my friend? My dude, my guy, what a great intro. Just charming my heart already. That's that's the goal. I'm just hoping I'm hoping you get a heart on an affection erection right here. Just just going, just going. Uh, dude, this is honestly this is like this is really a uh, very long overdue that you and I are able to have like like a, a sit down chat because like I see what you're doing from afar, and honest to God, dude, you are uh, fucking killing it, my man. I am so 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 proud of you and. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm going to, uh, and I'm putting you on the spot, so be prepared. I want you to brag about some of the amazing accomplishments that you have achieved over this past year and where people may know you from. Oh my gosh. I am very lucky. This is the most, this is like one of the most humble men of all time. So this is really, you could, you could just see, you could, if you're watching this on YouTube, you could just see like how, how he's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. No. Nah. Uh, fuck oh. you, dude. You need to, you need to, I want you to be, I want you to show some pride. You, like hype yourself up, man. Cause like, seriously, hey, you no are absolutely mind. amazing. We're going to own it. I, uh, I'm a voiceover actor and I have over 20 shows streaming right now. Um, the big ones would be, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. And I'm the lead of, uh, the way of the house husband. I play Masa, another anime. Um, few uh, national commercials and you probably heard my voice before you've seen me which is such a weird experience but i'm like i'm, I'm thriving in the past three or four years uh artistically as, as a working actor and again i mean that's how we met you know and yeah to to see you shining as well it's it's a it's a trip, my dude, and I'm very I love doing it. Don't get me wrong, I love being able to play, and you know, it, it, my relationship to that is shifting and changing new perspectives to it. But yeah, those are all the shows. I mean, you can just this is the weirdest thing. You can always Google me and find everything. <laughs> you know, the language of that is just very new for me. I don't normally say that. So so we we both met. Uh, in college when you uh, briefly transferred in and I remember when I first met you I remember like all the professors and stuff were like oh my god this new kid he's transferring in he's so freaking talented he's gonna like he's he, he, like here's some competition you better step it up like th it's this dude and I was like okay like cool like we got we got we have a new face coming in that's awesome and then uh, I befriended you and you were like, yeah, I guess like the thing that you might know me from is like, I was the voice, like the PA voice for the Hollywood bowl right? for like a while. And I was like, dude, that's badass. Like, that's really cool. And then forget, uh, what <laughs> you forget how cool you are. The thing that I did, you know, it's like, it was, it was my very first professional job. Um, I think I was like 17 when I first got that. I was there for like two years, but yeah, that's, I mean, that was yeah, the thing uh, you did. That was exactly the thing you did. I did. And you don't I, necessarily know. You're not, I'm not um, like watching my life. You know, I'm just living my life. 
and I'm not always witnessing my life. And I'm, I'm reminded of those things, right? We're doing the best we can out here. And we're just reminded of the things that we do by other people sometimes. And I forget to, that these are facts and truths, you know, and that was a great way for us to even connect. I mean, you know, wrapping my head around that and getting perspective after years later, you know, that was a wonderful opportunity at a really young age to be introduced to the best of the best uh, artists in the, the world had to offer. <laughs> Hollywood. Yeah, world. dude. Like, yeah. It, it's, it's crazy. Sometimes it's hard to re reflect about like seeing about like how far we've actually come because we're so used to like, this is where I am now. And then we keep looking forward to like where we want to go. And we have like this vision of that. And it's, sometimes it's hard to like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, say like you're trying to like lose weight or something, like looking at a progress picture, like you keep looking at yourself in the mirror and every day it looks the same to you. But then if you look back at like where you first started, it's like, oh, shit, I've actually come like really, really far. I wanted to ask you this. I don't know if you remember this, but I have a very vivid memory of you and I hanging out in the parking lot after like a rehearsal or something like that and just freaking like shooting the shit. Do you remember our band name? Something amazing something. <laughs> do you remember what kind do you remember what kind of band it was it should have been like a in my brain right now i'm hoping that it's like some punk ska band <laughs> that's just me. it was no i think it was uh we were gonna have like we're just gonna have rubber and we're gonna be called a rubber band we're and so we, cool we, that's we how cool we were in college man hey no one no one steal this idea okay this is yeah. this is a copywritten podcast so yeah. <laughs> Our, our management teams, NDA. <laughs> if, some, if, if there's a band out there that starts off like, hey, we're something amazing. Whoa. Well, I'm be so. You're slapping a lawsuit on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And then, and then, people on the planet are like, we're suing you. We're suing. Yeah. We're going to. How, how dare you use our something amazing band name? <laughs> and it was like, we were like cracking up over it because it was like the stupidest thing because we were all like, dude. We're gonna be like, are you guys ready to see something amazing? <laughs> That's the big dreams that we had in college, and now here we are living Look we are. our big dreams. Well, not maybe not <laughs> even that. I think the biggest dream we ever had was something amazing, and here we are just living whatever else we're doing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're 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 still we're still uh we're still workshopping our our band and what music we're gonna play, uh, even though it's been like. 12 years or so or like 13 years something like that something crazy like that um i uh so next thing i really want to uh say uh thank you for is you helped evolve my life in a way that you don't i don't even think you realize when you asked me to make a video for change your algorithm and for those of you who don't know what change your algorithm is uh it is a free mental wellness website uh where you have therapists who are donating their time, teaching classes about, you know, giving you tools uh, to help you with your problems. And it's literally just free therapy access. And I remember when you told me about it, I was like, uh, yeah, I will definitely make a video about it. But what you, you said, you said it was free <laughs> because like I knew I was in a place in my life where I was like, I, I was in some desperate need of some therapy, but I had zero money like i can't I, I still i can't afford it now like i can't not afford therapy and then so like you like introduced me to this thing and like literally it was like the first class that i took it was like 
the heavens opened up, everything aligned. And I was like, oh, this is where I belong. But this feels like this feels right. Because my other attempts at trying therapy all went poorly. And then this one was like, oh, and I've done a lot of healing since then. So I just want to say thank you for that, buddy. That's amazing. Uh, thanks for sharing that, by the way. And, and you're also extremely welcome, right? We have to, I have to be able to acknowledge at least something I'm doing in my life. But um, it means a lot because I know how much therapy has helped me and is continuously helping me. And I know the massive following that you have. And I started to see the content that you were doing and it aligned with this awesome opportunity that I get to just have as being the face of this program, change our algorithm. And it was really serendipitous because it was like in the beginnings of this, of CYA. And as it's grown exponentially, it went from just a national thing to an international thing within the time that you've been introduced to it. Yeah. And I just knew that, you know, the content that you're doing, the heart that you have, because we're friends and I know you, that this would completely align. And it's that thing of listening to your gut uh, and trusting it and going, you know what, man, like, I think that you, with the reach that you have and the heart that you have, I think you would, you would do this in a kind and authentic way. And that's just me trusting my own gut, um, believing in you because of everything you've already put out there. And it just aligned. And I'm happy to hear that it's aligning because sometimes that's just the hardest part is to reach out to someone that you care about, about something that's important to you. And sometimes you can treat it to be as very precious and not make that choice. Um, but I'm just tuning my own horn and going like, in that moment is the example of everyone just saying, hey, you just have to root for yourself. And in this place, I rooted for myself to reach out to you and hope that this would be something that would align because it was in its growing stages and it still is, but it's massive now. Um, and thankfully, luckily it, it worked out and you've been a wonderful face for it too. And, and an ambassador for change your algorithm and it's helping people all over the world because yeah, therapy, healthcare, it's so expensive. And this is really changing the game, trying to keep it affordable by making it free, you know? Yeah, that's that's the most insane thing is that it's, it's free. The stigma that we have in the States about mental health and therapy and that conversation, that's one obstacle. The cost is another obstacle, right? Access to services, another obstacle. So the thing I love is that we're taking away these things. We're taking, we're, we're doing the best that we can with what we have to take certain obstacles away. And it's just there for you. You, you don't have to go through so many hoops. Um, and it's, it's life-changing for a lot of people, lots of testimonials, a lot of private messages. And um, you and I are both uh, a testament to healing that can happen and the continuous healing, right? That can happen yeah, as well. Yeah, 100%. Um... You know, you've, you were you're saying earlier how you've been like this, uh, how you've really benefited from therapy. Uh, how long have you been in therapy? I started therapy when I was around 24, 25. And that was uh, the beginnings of me acknowledging my childhood abuse. And mm -hmm. it was very hard, right? I grew up uh, in a culture that was very much filled with machismo and emotions weren't to be talked about. Um, 
And I did that for a couple years and I was 25 and then popped back in um, a few years later doing like couples therapy <clears throat> and exploring what that was like. And then um, during the pandemic, I, uh, beginning of 2020, I really signed up with an individual therapist to kind of navigate that uh, entire year. Then from there, from 2020, I've been in therapy consistently with group therapy and then back on with an individual therapist again. Um, finding that the long-term for me is important. My long-term mental health is important and not just approaching it is in like pockets, certain pockets mm -hmm. of time. I'm realizing that if I, if I treat my um, therapist as a trainer at a gym, right? If, you, if I don't know what I'm doing and I go to a gym and I, I need help, I go to a personal trainer and I can wrap my head around health. My physical health is a long-term thing. I can do that. Um, my therapist is like my mental health personal trainer and the long-term goal for me is if I'm in therapy for the rest of my life, I'm okay with that. I'm going to be working on my mental health for my life. And um, that's become a, a healthy relationship for me. And it's really normalized it in my life. That's, yeah, you, uh, you know, you said like, I grew up in like this like machismo culture type of thing. It's like, I, I, I was the same way. I mean, my dad was a, my dad was in like the military and it was like, you know, mental health was never really talked about. You know, it was kind of like, hey, you man up. You, you deal with it you handle your own you, you handle your own shit and uh you don't need to talk to anyone about it just freaking figure it out like just figure it out you're gonna just do that so when you realize that you like you needed help how difficult was it for you to take that step terrifying very difficult and i found i, I found that i didn't have the tools to even articulate how I was feeling. Because uh, mm. I'm angry a lot of the time, but anger is typically a secondary emotion, which is masking a lot of the true fear, the level of disconnect, the the feeling of um, being small, uh, all like the shame, embarrassment, all yeah. those are my truths. I always just felt angry uh, most of the time. And so um, I, that's why I was in the arts. It, it, it mirrored a lot of my own life that I, you know, I, I grew up in an abusive household and didn't have like a really safe place to go. So the arts was the place that I could go to that was safe for me. And that's where I could learn about emotion and kind of have connections and, um, really kind of delve into the human experience that I wasn't having at home because I wasn't having any connections there. So that's where I felt safe. Um, that's where I felt like I could have an identity. Um, yeah. There's a lot of um, shortcomings to that because it is just on the page. It's not, it's not a familial unit. It's not, um, those aren't my parents. That's not my family, you know, but it was a place yes. to explore emotion. And so when I found out that I was really needing help, um, once again, it, it was my, it was my own gut that kind of, uh, led me right. I, I mm. was compelled to have to ask for help, and I remember going to uh, Teresa Lee, and she changed my life because I, she had talked about um, a passing of her own uh, younger brother and how she was in therapy. And so when I had been uh, a little bit more public about um, my my own personal pain, 
she reached out to me privately and said, hey, have you thought about therapy? And I said, no, because I don't really know what to do with that. I don't know what yeah. rules. It sounds scary. And she was the one that kind of guided me through it. You know, I remember us sitting in a bar and her um, very gently saying like, you know, you can, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. You have the opportunity to link up with your therapist or, you know, leave that one and go to another one. You don't have to stay with the first one that you've ever had. Wow. And it was just, a, I had tons of questions. I was like, what do you do? What's it like? Do you, what, what am I supposed to like have a goal for? And she yeah. really was very kind in guiding me through that. So that was, that was my very first experience learning about the ins and outs of therapy. And I just had so much fear that she, her answers kind of dissipated that a little bit. And yeah. she was like, okay, I'll try it. I'll do it and see what happens. Well, that's beautiful that you had a that you had a friend to kind of like guide you through that because like I know with me when I first the very first time I tried therapy I felt like I had the mindset of like you know and and, and again it took it finding the right therapist is kind of like finding the right anything right but I thought it was like one size fits all type of thing you know what I mean you go to a therapist you take whatever they say for for fact and even if you like disagree or you don't feel comfortable or whatever, it's like, well, it's kind of like you go to a doctor and they go like, well, here's a prescription for this. And you're all like, well, it doesn't make me feel good, but you know, they say it's supposed to make me better. So I guess I got to keep taking this, whatever, or like, you know, I'm going in feeling like this and they say, oh no, you're fine. And they go, well, I guess I'm fine, even though I don't feel right, but they're saying I'm fine. So I got to take this instead of going like, well, I'm going to find another doctor and get a, a different opinion or, and it, a lot of, it's hard. I think you know, I think a stigma of, of therapy is people don't realize that it, um, you know, finding the right therapist is a thing, like finding that person that you do connect with. It is a relationship that you're building with that person. You need to be able to feel comfortable. You need to be able to feel safe. You need to be able to feel like you're being heard and listened to and like understood. So that way, when they do give you that advice and they do try to like help guide you or help you like unlock some realizations for yourself, you can trust that person instead of going like, fuck it, this doesn't work. Therapy's never going to work. Therapy sucks. It's the worst. And again, I'm saying this from my own experience. Like the first time I did therapy, I didn't, I've, I've mentioned this on my, on the podcast before, but I was like, I didn't have a good experience. I didn't, I didn't feel like I was being heard or listened to. And I felt like I was like predicting every single thing that the therapist was going to say and none of it was helpful. And then, so I just went, well, I tried, it didn't work. And then years and years later, I kind of went, oh, well, I guess like finding a different therapist is a thing. And I found like a, like a program that like you pay like 60 bucks and then then you become like part of like in this network and then you can find a therapist and reach out to them and they'll, they'll work with you on a sliding scale based on like whatever you make. Um, and then when I did that, I reached out to a therapist and they didn't reach, they didn't, they didn't answer. And then I went well, I guess that's my luck. I guess that's not supposed to do this thing. And then that's where you came in with, with change your algorithm when I went, Oh, and like, not only is like that a beautiful thing, but it's like, you know, you get, they also have like resources on like, here, you can find therapists here, 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 or like, you know, whatever therapist is teaching that night or volunteering their time that night, you can kind of get an idea of the type of therapy you might be into or the type of therapy you might want. And it turns into like this, like, this beautiful thing where like you can go like, oh i want a therapist who treats like this or 
oh, this is a different, interesting version of therapy. Cause it's different, like, it's not all just like sit and talk. There's also, you know, there's group, there's EDMR, there's freaking hypnotherapy. There's so many different things to do. And it's just like, it's, CYA is, is amazing. Cause like you can kind of get like a, like a small little, like a Costco sample of what it's like, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, you need to experience, um, you need to experience the versions of therapy that are out there and it becomes your opportunity to make it as personal as you want. And that's mm -hmm. the thing, man, right? It isn't, um, it's not one size fits all. And the mm -hmm. more personal you make it, the more effective it is because it's your experience. It's no one else's experience whenever, um, you go into therapy sessions, you know, I, I'm not going in there for, my folks, I'm not going in there for my friends. I'm going in there for me and it's mine. And how do I own that experience? And it gives me opportunities to really practice setting up my own boundaries, setting up communication styles that I want, you know? That's where I get to practice. It's a wonderful controlled room of practice where I can then bring out into the real world. The hope is that I get the, the lessons I'm learning seep out into the real world. It becomes part of my own behavior becomes of, you know, changing my neurons, changing my algorithm and finding that this is how I live my life, but it's a safe place to practice it. Because, you know, when we go to school, we learn math and they teach us addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, all those things. But when someone goes up to you and says, well, love yourself, there's no handbook on that. There's yeah. Just sort of like, okay, what do I do? I, I don't know. They're just like, you're just supposed to know how to love and care for yourself. And for me, I remember telling my therapist, I was like, look, I don't know how to do that. And I feel very embarrassed saying that, but that's my truth. I want to know how to do this. If I'm going to learn how to communicate, give me the words. If I need to learn how to talk about my feelings, give me a chart that has words that I can pick so that I'm not having this pressure of like grasping for air. If mm -hmm. I need to learn what boundaries looks like, let's teach it to me because I think it's just as important for me to have the roadmap that I had with history, math, science, that I need to be able to take care of for myself um, so that I have things to reference that I can go back to. And that's that was definitely my initial conversation with my therapist and going, I'm going to swallow my embarrassment on this and say that I am like first grade level, treat me as a child learning how to care about myself. And it has been the best way to actually go into my therapy. You know, I'm not wow. in there being like, I'm an expert on how to love me. I'm not, I'm an expert at learning. Like that's what all I'm doing my entire life. So if I approach it in that way, teach me because I'm open, I'm open to learning. Dude, that is so, that is so beautiful because like a lot of the times, like I'll say like with, with me and my content, if I, if I post a, like a fucking emotional video, a lot of people go, it's cause you don't love yourself, bro. Figure it out. Great. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Done. Oh, I, I don't love myself. All right. I love me. Oh, look at that. It's all fixed. It's all cured. We're it, it's a beautiful thing. It's all done. Yeah. Yay. Depression gone forever. Or like go to just go. I'm being really loud. <laughs> just like, Oh, just go to the gym. Yeah. I, I I do I, I, a lot. I'm like, exactly. come on now. Like, like, and so it's just like, 
you know, it, it's a process. It's something that you you have to learn. And I think I think everyone's like uh, self love journey is different. And like we can only speak to what has worked for us. You know, and like for me, one thing that I I kind of I like for me with with change your agro, I knew like stuff to take to uh, learn to love myself, like words of affirmation are like the big one. Right. And everyone says, Oh, look in the mirror and say that I tried doing that. I couldn't, like, like I didn't believe it was just like, I was looking in the mirror. I'm like, you're bullshitting yourself right now. Like now, like this is fucking stupid. Like what the fuck are you doing? And then I went, well, I have an acting degree, right? Uh, how about I write down the things that I do know that I like about myself and then I'll just read them out loud and act like, like I'm reading a script. You know what I mean? So I like I wrote like a bunch of I am statements and then I just started doing that for a while. But even then, it even then I knew I needed like an authoritative figure to tell me that I'm doing it right. And that and that probably stems from as I'm processing this right now, it probably stems from like, you know, growing up as a kid and going like, Dad, did I do this right? Am I doing it right? Like trying to get like his approval, getting that like loving father approval. Like, please tell me I'm doing it right. I don't want to disappoint you. Like my people pleasing. It's just like hey, I'm doing this. I'm trying to figure this out. Am I on the right path? Am I doing the right thing? I want to, I'm trying to learn to be kind to myself. Am I doing the right thing? And this, this is where me, you know, sharing in the, in the, in the CYA classes, I go like, well, hey, you're a therapist. I, I'm broke. I'm going to take advantage of this. Here's what's going on. Am I on the right path or whatever? And, you know, when they go, yeah, or they go, or what if you thought of it this way or whatever? And you go, oh, okay and then like things just kind of like unlock that way it's beautiful man i that's that is it's learning right and that's also why these therapists are professionals and it isn't just peers talking to each other it isn't just folks who are hoping to be able to help each other these are trained professionals that are that have years and years of experience that know the modalities that know the science behind it that when they have feedback, there is experience, there's knowledge behind that feedback, right? And it's so smart and absolutely empowering um, to hear that it's such a smart move that you are asking because you don't know. And it's a dangerous thing to just be like, I know all the answers um, because you never really be able to help yourself. The fact that you can and to be able to say, hey, I need some help on this or teach me like that's, that's a, that's a powerful thing to be able to admit to. And yeah, man, like these, these therapists, they're there because they are professionals and we want to be able to help ourselves, you know, and these folks are, are there guiding us to get to the point where we are having a healthy relationship with our past and our present, right? Because mm -hmm. everyone has their own experience and to hear you being aware of like, look, this could possibly be where it's coming from. Could, there's a point in time where you didn't know that. There's a point in time yeah. where I didn't know where a lot of the things were stemming from for me. And to have a little bit more mindfulness about it gives me tools. These are actual tools that you're using, right? The journaling, um, the affirmations, the breath work, the meditation, the, the moments to take a pause, um, the grounding techniques. All of these things are tools that we can use instead of feeling so helpless to a moment you can feel empowered if something were to show up i know how i have tools for it i'm not as powerless i'm not as scared you know and the, 
it doesn't make the feelings any less like it doesn't make anything scary less scary i think it just keeps you present so that you can just be scared or you can yeah just be you can just be whatever emotion you want or is occurring instead of having like another layer on top of it you can just go to the emotion and if you have that other layer that's on top of it you have the tools to remind yourself that like okay it's not that i'm here this is what this is and then you can navigate it a little bit better you know and oh dude 100 percent. i uh, for me it's been like uh I it, it's instead of just like feeling the emotions and then just kind of getting like pissed off at yourself about it. I mean, like, I think, I think the big, like a big step of healing and granted, I, I haven't been in therapy long. I've been doing, I've been with CYA using it since, you know, July of 2021. Right. So like, but I've, I, I'm very, I've learned to become like even more like self analytical. And instead of just like feeling the, the emotions, it's now getting more curious about them. And going like, why am I feeling this way? What's like, what's going on? Like, what is activating this? Like, what's triggering this happening right now? And then learning to become a lot kinder to myself in those situations instead of beating myself up. And then like, you know, sometimes I and like the beautiful thing about therapy. If anyone decides to try it out, it's it's very like sometimes you have like these great aha moments. Like I I I grew up never feeling wanted and feeling like I wasn't good enough and feeling like I never fit in and feeling like I always had to try to do things to make other people like me, whether, and especially like as a big fat kid growing up, it was, okay, I get bullied a lot. How can I stop the bullying? What if I made fun of me before they can make fun of me? What if I can get them to laugh at me by me cracking jokes about fat jokes about myself? And that was like a, like a, like a, like a protection mode. And then, but it's kind of like, you know, a lot of that stuff stems from childhood, right? And, you know, I don't ever remember a time my parents going, I don't love you. I don't want, I don't want you around. I don't think you're good enough or anything like that. But there's like instances where I go, oh, like the biggest one, the biggest one, my biggest aha moment was the first time I felt like I was not wanted was when I was told that I was adopted. And I didn't know how to articulate it. Like when I tell the story, it's really funny because like when my friend, my parents sat me down in the dining room and I'm looking at it right now, it was sat me down for dinner, which was really rare in our house. The only time we ever ate at the dinner table was holidays or like a rare, random special occasion. And then they go like, Hey, you're adopted. I started laughing. I thought it was the funniest fucking joke of all time i like it's like a swick like a like a twisted six sense of humor type of joke i thought it was funny i was 11 and i'm like that's really funny i look at my brother my yeah, brother's laughing process that at such a young age oh 100 and then so i was just and then like you know i turned to my brother my brother's laughing and he's eight years older than me so i'm like he's clearly he's in on this joke so he's laughing and then i didn't find out later that he was only laughing because i was laughing um but and then I look back at my parents and then like, I realized that like, they had like this, like dead pant, like, no, we're, we're not joking. Like you're really adopted. And then I instantly started crying and I didn't know how to articulate what I was feeling. I didn't know how to articulate that. I felt like I wasn't wanted. And then even like later at like 18, when my parents were like, okay, you're, we think you're old enough. You're an adult now to understand this and like they, they told me like the whole story of it 
about how like my birth mother did drugs during the pregnancy about how uh, another family was supposed to adopt me, but they rejected me because they thought I was going to be some drugged out baby with brain damage. And they didn't want to deal with that. And even like then it's like, Oh shit. Another instance where somebody didn't want me. And like it, it took a lot of, and like, I know like the, the positive sides of it was like, yeah, my parents actually did choose me. They, they, they accepted me. They brought me and they loved me, but it was still like this, like, I didn't know how to, I never learned how to process things. I never learned how to really express my emotions because it was always kind of like, you know, you hear a lot, like, no, we're not going to be sad about this right now. No, there's no crying. You're not supposed to cry. You're, uh, come on, big boys don't cry. Let's, like, let's know you're fine. You're fine. Stop, stop, stop. And you're like, you never, you know, you're taught to like, Hey, don't express like you're, you're being a burden right now. Stop expressing your emotions. Like stop crying. Just you're fine. Like you have everything. You're fine. We'll stop crying and all that stuff. Um, so that was my experience. Did you ever experience anything like that growing up? Like the battling of like feeling like you weren't good enough. Cause you said like you came from like an abusive childhood. Was that like, was that like your feeling for you too? First, Thanks for sharing that, man. And it is, uh, I have to affirm that because it is hard whenever someone does share for something like that, but it's also a level of mindfulness to be able to, to talk about where they're coming from and to know and acknowledge also that you're no longer there and processing how that, that kind of, um, event has, has affected your life. You know, um, it's powerful because when you hear something like that, when I hear something like that, or I, I share something as well, there's such a lonely feeling whenever uh, that kind of thing gets shared. It's a lonely feeling, it can be uncomfortable, but it's a reminder too that a lot of people have had really tough experiences in their lives, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that kind of pain, the inability to articulate it, Maybe really difficult, but there are a lot of people who have experienced something similar and also have trouble articulating. And that makes it just a little bit less lonely, just a little bit less what's wrong with me and going, okay, it's not there's something wrong with me. It's an event that occurred, and how can I heal from it? How can this event no longer be my definition? Just be part of the definition, but not define me. And acknowledge your your healing journey on it, man. Because uh, it's tough. It's very difficult. Um, and sending so much love in that in your direction. And for anyone that's listening, also that feels alone or um, having trouble articulating their feelings in a way that will be helpful for them or they think might be, you know, that healing is on its way. Um, for me, it's been, uh, it's been tough sometimes thinking about the kind of uh, childhood I grew up in with emotionally unavailable parents. And, um, you know, it just sets me up to see the world in a very specific light. Mm -hmm. right? And there's ways that I don't know how people interact because what was given in my life was emotionally shut down, emotionally unavailable, um, rigidity, 
and uh, just having a clenched jaw and trying to power through things. And I and I thought that was normal, right? If that's that's the initial kind of care that I was given, well, then being absent and shutting down is a normal thing. It's be- it became normalized in my life, and yeah. I didn't know that it wasn't normal or wasn't um, a healthy approach up until I started finding shortcomings and limitations in my ability to connect and my ability to <clears throat> self-soothe and heal. And that, that, that would then be my early 20s, right? Realizing, hey, I'm not well equipped when this occurs or I don't feel very confident when this happens. Um, and why does that happen? You know, why am yeah. I not confident? And I start comparing myself to other people and I'm going, what's going on? But how, this isn't, then I start to talk about what was happening with me and going, this isn't everyone's family. Like, I don't understand what family dinners look like, or I, I'm not exactly sure how, co- so you just all hug and tell each other you love each other. Like that's part of the <laughs> thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that. no, dude. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. Like, finding that out. And it's, it, it went from finding that out to then shame immediately. And the shame mm-hmm. part is one that stuck for a long time. Because as a kid, teenager, after high school, I didn't really have shame as a thing in my life. Because it was just normal having lived with my folks through high school and then going off into college. And that's where I'm realizing, wait a minute, like that's not everyone's family. I get to start meeting my partner's family, my ex-girlfriends, and being like, wait, this is not how I interact with my family. Like, you, we're going camping together? We're going on a trip? You want to have, you want to cook for me? We <laughs> hug and call each other? Like, I don't know what this means. Yeah. And that was the thing of me realizing that. All these versions of all the love languages, right? I just yeah. didn't know that they existed because I didn't have any of those love languages, you know? And my parents are um, from the Philippines and they did the best that they could, right? Uh, they lived with their own traumas. And the older that I'm getting, the the opportunity to step back and just see them as people, right? I yeah. just see them as people who have their own traumas and are doing the best that they can with the limitations that they have. And yeah, 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 yeah. The more I see them that way, the less of a pedestal I put them on. Right, they're no longer these like these massive figures in my life as these superhero parents. They're they're just human beings. They're just people. Yeah, you know, I've had to recently sever ties to my folks because I had gone into therapy, working on anxiety, working on self worth, working on all these things, and it just kind of painted a bullseye of where does it come from? It came from here, it came from here, it came from this, childhood this, childhood that. And they were going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know? And the fear that I had was how do I, and this is my experience specifically, how do I walk away from the most toxic relationship in my life? If the most toxic relationship in my life are the, is the relationship I have with my parents. And I remember having a phone call with them where it was acknowledging and you know, blessings to my, my pops. He was the one that said, like, we are unable to support you uh, emotionally because they couldn't take care of themselves. And they are unable to support 
also even financially because they can't even support themselves. And it was one of those acknowledgements that I think after 30 plus years of me yearning for a family, mm. it was a very sudden halt to that yearning because the dream that I had was mom, dad, myself, and it's going to be a great family. Yeah. But the acknowledgement of the reality was whatever you thought of, we can't do. We're just not here. And the language was try to find forgiveness for us. And I was mm. like, I'm going to put to bed a 30 plus year dream of what I wanted. And then I'm also putting to bed and grieving a future that I thought I was going to have. Yeah. And all of that goes away. And then what do I do with the rest of my life? You know, and that was yeah. really, really scary. It still is. And I'm still learning what that feels like because I have to redefine my identity. I have to redefine a lot of what my motivating factors were. And a lot of my motivating factors was just being acknowledged by my mom and dad and having this like dream of having a perfect family. And now that that's not there and the reality of it is it's, it's, it's not there. There's a part that is very sad about it, completely devastated, my, devastating. And my therapist says it's, it's and so thankful for McKenna. She found the words of deep, profound grief. And I'm like, mm. there's that's truth. And it became, I was like, yes, so seen. And also there's an interesting moment because it's only been maybe two months since that conversation that a breath is starting to happen. And the mm -hmm. weight of that dream, mm -hmm. I don't have to lift it anymore. Right? And there's yeah. times where I want to, and there's moments where it's so familiar in my body that I'm finding moments to self-sabotage myself and go, I need to lift it. I need to lift it because it's familiar. It's comfortable because it's familiar. The, the pain and trauma is familiar and that's where I'll go. But I know too, with the work that I'm doing, I don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. Knowledge that there's something new and it's finding the balance of self-compassion of going, how do I self-soothe? this moment of wanting what is familiar and then also knowing what was familiar is no longer serving me. And that's yeah. the work in between, man. That's a therapy in between. That's, that's the weekly sessions with my, my therapists, like trying to find, trying to find that balance of being able to look at the past, but not catching myself staring. Because of yeah. the future I have to go live. And that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's weird navigation, you know? And and again, like that's it makes whenever I talk about it, I feel like it's only my story and it is mine. But that pain, the kind of fear, the uncertainty, those things are also universal kind those are also universal feelings. And there's a lot of people out there that are also struggling. And there is, and it's a reminder for me, I'm not alone. I, there's not anything wrong with me. It's the world that we're living in, the circumstances that people have to go through and choices that get made. And you realize, man, like choices we make, behaviors that we have can affect and do affect other people. Yeah there's something to be mindful about, you know, kind of pain that a lot of people are healing from want to work on. It's empowering. And 
it's empowering for me now to know that the choices I'm making for me can really lay down a foundation that'll be safe for me in the future. I'm just taking care of my inner kid. You know, the the world in me that needs it. I've I've tried to step away from and I'm working on it. Doing this for other people, the choices I'm doing, the way that I show up, it's not for another person. It's really for the the kid in me that didn't have that parent. And so it's hard, but I feel like I'm clunky. It's clunky. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it'll get better. Well, I mean, like life is life is fucking clunky, you know? And I and dude, like kudos to you. I totally get it. And one of the things that you said that like really stuck out to me was you started to see your parents as human. And like, so I held my father to like, this man knew everything. Every time I had a question for him, he knew the answer or he bullshitted like he knew the fucking answer. But, you know, he was, um, you know, he was an alcoholic. And, you know, when my brother moved out of the house and he retired from working, and you didn't have anything to do, man, that bottle started getting emptier and emptier a lot faster, like starting from like the moment he woke up till whenever he blacked out and went to bed. And a lot of that got taken out on me verbally. And then it wasn't until like after he died that I learned about probably some of the demons that he was actually battling. And I went, I got really pissed off at him. I was like, you fucking asshole. Why didn't you say something? Like, why didn't, and, and like, I get it. He had that, he had that, you know, going back to like the machismo, he had to be the fucking man. Like he had to be like, I'm the man of the house. I'm the head of the household. I'm supposed to take care of everything. You're not supposed to worry about anything. Um, whatever I'm dealing with, I'll just deal with it on my own. And like, my mom was like, my mom told me, my mom was the one who told me like some of the stuff that he had to do. And I went, well, fuck, that makes so much, that would fuck over anybody, like anybody's mindset. And like, he just never talked about it. Cause I, like, I remember, in, you know, when I was in college, I had a moment where like the head of our theater department had to take me to the fucking, um, to the psychology department, had me sit down and talk to somebody because like, I was, I was ready to commit suicide. Like I went to, uh, like ready to attempt. And then like, I heard my dad walking down the hallway and it scared me straight and it scared me shitless. And then like, but then I went down there and then like, I talked with them and, and, and all this stuff. And it was just like, I told my parents about it and I was like, Hey, this thing happened at school. They had to take me down to this or whatever. And I'm like, I'm really depressed. And my, the only thing my dad could say to me is why you have everything. I give you a roof over your head. I'm paying for your school. I pay for your food. I, I get you whatever the hell you want. What do you have to be depressed about? And I think, and then looking back on that like right now, I think it's, that was like a shot at him. Like he probably felt like it was a shot at him because he's like, I'm doing everything I can to provide for you so you can live this happy life. Why are you, you can't be this way. You can't be sad. And then like, again, delving further down like the therapy hole, it was just like, no, this is something I've been born with. Like this depression wasn't anything that, that they did necessarily. My depression stems from, you know, uh, my vagus nerve, not 
not getting enough vagal tones because my birth mother did drugs during the pregnancy, which like, and I just recently had like that unlocking aha, like, Oh no shit. Like really? Like, and it was a relief for me for some people. They might hear like, Oh great. It's another fucking thing wrong with me. I go, Oh no. Like this is, I have a reason. I have a why, like I have an explanation and I have like more tools now to learn how to like, to deal with it, to, to boost my vagal tones, to like, help me when I'm going like, Oh, I probably need to reset right now. Like I'm really sad right now. I probably need to, I need to do something to reset and see if this helps. And like, I'm sure, I'm sure you deal with this. And like, I know a lot of people look at me they go, they, they see like, you know, if I start posting about like positive messages and they go, Oh, you, you don't understand. You don't have this shit figured out. You have, you have all your shit figured out. It's fine. It's like, no, you know, healing isn't, isn't healing. Isn't never having a bad day and being happy all the fucking time. It's when you do have a bad day, you know how to handle it. And like, I'm sure like you still have, like you have your bad days and you still fucking struggle and shit like that. But I know I'm sure I'm, I'm assuming. So sorry, but I'm sure that like, you've learned these tools and you'd be like, instead of like just sitting, like sometimes it's okay to just sit in it and just feel it and like let it process. But it's not like, but it's like sitting and feeling it and not beating yourself up about it. You know what I mean? And like, I know for me, it's, it's been, it's been like, you know, and I'll still have my days where like, I'll call myself a giant, like a piece of shit. And I'm really struggling. I mean, and this happened like last week, I was having a lot of really dark thoughts and I haven't had these darker thoughts in such a long time. And I was just like, just let's get to, let's just get to your next meal get to the next day and then just kind of like see how you're feeling from there. Um, and it doesn't mean like, and I think that, you know, anybody who quote unquote looks like they have everything figured out because like, Oh, you're going to therapy. So you must be fine now. It's like, no, it's not, it's not that it's to, you know, I think a lot of us now go to therapy to, to learn, to help continuing to process whatever things are coming up and like learn how to handle whatever traumas that we're dealing with. It's a lifelong thing. It's a lifelong process of healing and, and learning. And, you know, the coping mechanisms that we had to develop for ourselves to be in survival mode, mm -hmm. we're not always in survival mode, you know? And yeah. you get to have, you get to shift from that to thriving the coping mechanisms that we use when we were in survival mode aren't going to serve us when we're, we're no longer in it. And if we've been in survival mode for so long and those coping, me coping mechanisms no longer work, we have to learn new ones. And yep, 100%. That's, that's where the, that's where a lot of the difficult in-betweens happen. Because you're going, wait, this thing doesn't work for me anymore. It's been doing it. I've been doing this for so long. It has worked every single time. Why doesn't it work? And the change narrative there could really be, well, maybe you've grown. Maybe you've grown up. Maybe yeah. you've And the band-aid you're putting on this uh, wound, the wound doesn't exist anymore. And you don't need the band-aid anymore. Maybe now you can go out there and play a little bit more. Maybe you can go out there and, and be in the sun a little bit more versus having to hide and having to 
to to shelter yourself from something. It's like, you know, healing happens and we can be so caught up in the wanting to heal that we may forget, hey, maybe I did. You know, maybe I actually did something wrong. And that's that's the well, that find out, you know. Again, that kind of goes to like with anything in life. Like again, I, I bring it to weight loss because that's my biggest experience that I've ever done. But it's like I want to lose this X amount of weight. I want to lose it so bad. And then we forget to look back and be like, look at how far I have come. And like, I, I think it's like a, there's like a, you know, again, I, I, as of right now, this, this opinion may change. I don't think there's such thing as like something that's like fully healed. I just think it's because I think, whatever traumas that we've ever experienced, whatever grief that we're going through, whatever, it's always going to kind of come up because it just kind of lives within our bodies, but we have uh, the tools to help, to help manage it. And then again, like, like you were saying, it's, well, this thing that was always working before this coping mechanism that's always been working before is no longer working. Okay. Maybe it's because like my, I got used to that or like I've, I need to upgrade my, my new level of healing, you know, like get, you know, be like super Mario and eat that mushroom so I can grow bigger and have like a whole new other type of thing. You know what I mean? And then like, you have to, and then like you find new things and then like, it's a beautiful thing. Cause you know, you get to learn yourself better because you're finding out with something else that works for you. You might discover something about yourself that you didn't realize because like the longest relationship any of us are ever going to be in is with ourselves. And we need to like, keep, you know, working on it and, and keep, you know, you know, a couple that's been married for like 80 plus years or whatever. It's not like, Oh, I learned everything I needed to know about them on year one. And we never evolved since then. It's like, no, you're always evolving. You're always changing. Like you always change as people. And it's about, you know, keep making sure you keep learning about yourself and, 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 and keep evolving. And I'm literally just, this is all just coming off the top of my head. Like I'm going like, Oh shit, this is me. This is me. For anyone who's watching and listening, this is me processing shit right now. <laughs> like this is me like processing these things uh, out loud. And I am very lucky that I have a beautiful person like this to sit here and listen with me. Um, I do want to ask you about this. Um, when you were going through your 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 early twenties, where you were feeling very very angry, did that did that really inform your art? Did you find yourself like you were getting more and more drawn to characters who were like angry and who were misunderstood, so you could find those that release to play those characters you're like okay i can tap i have this it's like you almost have it inside you and you need to tap into it so you can kind of like let it release instead of letting it sitting and fester inside of you good question and yes i'm like i have my moments <laughs> <laughs> great moment man milk that moment um, <laughs> yeah, genuinely i think yes um Big picture, I found myself safe in the arts because that's where I could have an emotional release. That's where I could discover love and discover anger and discover joy and have empathy through other characters and be informed of what these kinds of relationships could be, right? Mm -hmm. That's where I was learning that. I wasn't learning that at home. I was learning that in a scene. I was learning that in acting classes. Um, and I wish I learned that at 
home, you know, because then it would be, oh, yeah. it wouldn't just have an end that like the scene wouldn't just end and it'd be like, now we don't know what to do. <laughs> you are no longer in love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? they're like, you're like, oh, you did so great in that scene. Because I knew every word, like I knew every word that could happen. They gave me the words in my real life. I had no idea how to navigate it. I didn't have the script, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like, improvise everything. Like, well, that's not what I'm doing in the scene. I literally know what will happen. It was the safest place to have an emotional experience. I um, never thought of it that way. I never thought of it that way. Because like, I, I was the same way. Like, I didn't like... Like the way I grew up, I grew up in a very conservative household, dude. I didn't understand like emotions and stuff like that. And then like, you know, ironically, the person who was like the most emotionally shut off is the one who put me in the theater. <laughs> like he's the one who put me and he didn't, he just did it because he's like, well, if you're not going to play football, your ass is doing something extracurricular outside of school. And then when I got to college, I was like, I think I want to do this. And he was like, okay, yeah, cool. Cause like in high school, like it, he was always very proud to see me up on stage and performing and doing this. And he always loved seeing me be on stage. And I was like, part of me kind of did it for him. Like I didn't, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun, but I was like, well, you like seeing me out there. That's something you're going to be proud of me for. Right. So yeah, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to take this really unconventional path and I'm going to go into the arts and uh, no, it's not stable whatsoever, but fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to do it anyways. And then it ended up like blowing all blowing up in my face, so to speak. Um, but I was like, Oh, so yeah, like that's uh, sorry to cut you off like that, but I was just like, Oh shit. Like, yeah, it is. You're right. It is the, the place where you can express emotion and you already know what the outcome's going to be. It's, a safe. It, it, it's safe. Yeah. Right. We know exactly what that is because I didn't have safe. I didn't have the feeling of safety at home that was safe for me i just knew it was a controlled environment i knew that i could come out of there and be safe and nothing bad would happen to me at home i didn't know i hadn't there was all the question marks i didn't know what was going to happen to me um so i just leaned into the safest place that i could thrive in um and yeah it's, it's a similar experience man i my i remember thinking man i knew this way before I was even aware that I knew this. Uh, I was doing um, a triptych, which is like a three-piece um, art uh, like ex exercise that had my past self, present self, and future self. And mm. um, my present self, I had set up in the classroom where um, I set up like a stage area, put two chairs in front of me, had everyone um, sit behind me. So they were looking and they were behind me looking at my back and they were all applauding and I was dancing to like Justin Bieber's baby was the most, <laughs> like, very mainstream massive scale version of a song that I could think of and I was like doing these like really violent movement to be seen while people were clapping and I was performing that to two empty chairs and that was my artistic expression in my early 20s of me doing this whole thing for just my folks who were not there and mm. going back to it i was like ah i nailed that at like 20 something i i don't knew that was my truth and yet here i am still moving forward and doing this without fully understanding that that was my artistic expression and that was my that was my truth in my life and you know after that 
I have a really hard time wrapping my head around the fact that I have all these shows and that I just went to like over the weekend back to UCSD and met the Min Lee, who is the writer and creator of DC Comics uh, Green Lantern Legacy. And wow. yeah, like, you know, a lovely keynote speech about it. I get asked to come back as, um, as my character, you know, I get to be the voice actor of Masa for my Netflix show and have these moments of, of standing in my strength and having these things that I get to experience as, as an actor that I thought only other people get to experience. They're not for me, they're for other people to sign stuff, to have panels, to be looking at merch and telling people, yeah, let's take photos for your thing. You know, all these yeah. anime cons kind of stuff. Yeah. For me, that's for other people. And then to be experiencing it is surreal, my guy. It's absolutely surreal. Because, yeah. you know, that's, that's a version of affirmation that I think really I, I was drawn to and thought, well, if in my life I choose this path, I can shine so bright that you have to see me, right? I've got Netflix, I've got HBO, I've got Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Facebook, Snapchat, all the clients, right, that are bringing me in. I hit these, these massive scale. My work is universal. You have to see me. And the reality of my folks is, like I said, we're not going to be there. So uh, yeah. the whole thing went, wow, my whole motivating factor was that. That was just to be seen, just to be yeah. cared for. That my whole life, my whole artistic career, that was, the, that was the motivating factor. That was my North Star. And to no longer have it, no longer have that be the motivating factor, no have that be my motor. I'm lost. I feel lost. I'm going, well, what is it that I actually want to do? And I get to ask that question at 32 years old going, oh my gosh, now? So my fear is that I'm late to the game. Oh my gosh, what? I, I can only ask that now? And it's been a really, really strange experience because I thought, I mean, I, I told a couple buddies of mine, one of my one of my friends from college is um, another person of color, and he's he's um, in Harry Potter on Broadway. Another buddy of mine uh, is a, a professional stuntman, and the three of us are working in our field where we thought, hey, it's impossible to be doing what we're doing. And then on top of that, going, I thought we were going to be 70 and figure out Ah, now I'm an actor and I'll check. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We all thankfully and serendipitously had each other as a support network, but we got that when we were like in our late 20s and like 30, around that age. And we were going, oh my gosh, so what do we do now? <laughs> what, what do we do now? Well, uh, the, one of the things that you said was like, you never thought that like, like this kind of like success or whatever of like signing autographs and getting pictures and stuff like that was never going to be a thing for you. Uh, the, the, the first thought that came into mind, because I, I know representation, I, I, I can't really say I can't really say much because I'm a cis white man, white male gender man. But 
did you did you think like that wasn't supposed to happen because you never saw it happen because you know you, you're Filipino right you, and I on I personally cannot name famous Filipino actors. Hey man, that same right? Like I can name one or two from a lifetime. You know? What I mean? Yeah. Um, so did you think that that was never going to happen because you've never seen it happen? 100%. It's all part of it. It's all part of that experience of, of representation was what I was fighting for. Mm -hmm. Five years ago, five years ago, I did a um, BuzzFeed interview about us doing like, we like Asian guys redo um, iconic underwear ads. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About, like, what's it like to be a sexy Asian man and what is it, you know, redefining that for us. And I thought that was just like a conversation that no one was going to watch. And mm. it blew up into the, the world was commenting on this thing. And this was before uh, Crazy Rich Asians came out and Fresh Off the Boat. So there was no representation on yeah. This was before that, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. year anniversary on my social media like pops up and I'm going, oh, it's completely different. Right. We have yeah. shows now. We have movies. We've got conversations. We've got activists. We've got young activists. We've got people fighting for X, Y, and Z. And I'm going, well, I don't. Like I mean, characters that are actually getting cast as the race that they are. Like, right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, like, even like, like, like a Philip, like, say there's like a Filipino man in a cartoon. They're actually getting like a, a Filipino voiceover artist instead of, instead of like some white dude doing an accent or something like that. Exactly it's it is their representation though i wish there was more and there will continuously be people fighting for more my version of that no longer exists the thing i was fighting for does exist now yeah and so again my motivating factor changed and my relationship to acting and that world has shifted my dude like i've talked to my therapist about it and going i wonder if acting still serves me the way that mm. it used to, because I'm no longer in a place where I feel scared. I don't need to find that safe place that the theater was giving me. I didn't, I don't have to, those aren't the only places I can go to. My self-worth isn't tied up in being seen as an actor because I've answered that for myself and it's a really unnerving, unsettling thing to find out in whatever career you're in, right? Whatever that thing is, that it no longer serves you in the way that it used to. And I'm in a place where I feel really curious about what's next. And to yeah. be in a place where I put so much time into a very specific goal and to have achieved that goal, and to be experiencing it, there's a level of guilt that I'm having of going, oh man, just because of the exclusivity of it, just because of the time I put into it, just because of the effort that I know have gone into this, it shouldn't be this easy to be able to walk away or shift a dream. But the shouldn't, that's such a difficult thing because that should isn't my expectation. It's someone else's and I'm still working on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, man, I'm I'm finding out. 
I'm finding out in this moment. And this is me as an artist finding out what my artistry is. Oh no, he's frozen. Oh, can you can you see me? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you were frozen. I was like, I was like, am I am I am I on Disney Plus right now? Am I on Disney Plus right now? And then it's gonna be like next episode. And then, do you want? To stay, <laughs> stay tuned next week for um, part two. Yeah, exactly. I'm telling you right now, man. I I remember sitting in um, my living room with an ex girlfriend and her friend. And they were talking about art and they were talking about theater and kind of like the, the scene in Los Angeles. And I was so compelled to say, I think it's important to have this conversation, but I also think it's important to put out there that I want my work to be seen universally, right? I think I can, I want that. And that's the scale that I'm trying to play at. Just want to say that. Because yeah. I don't want to limit myself only to the Los Angeles market, which is massive, <laughs> right? Just, it's massive. That's eh, all right. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that's where I was trying to go. Like, I, I'm setting impossible goals, but I nah. at least want to aim for them, right? That's where I yeah. was. And then my shows are doing that. So when you're hitting these goals, I'm, I'm making it happen for myself. Well then, why can't the, the the dream shift? If that seems like such an impossible thing, if it is the most unattainable, most difficult, unlikely thing, why? Why is that for me? What's my hmm. hesitation? What's my fear? What's holding me back from just accepting that maybe things are changing? You know, and yeah. sitting in that pocket, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd have the confidence to even say that five years ago, clearly. I don't know if I had the confidence to say that a year ago. And for me now, I'm going, yeah, what is it that I want to do? What is it that that's for me? My artistry will never go away. Like I just did um, a, a new uh, poem called Dear Mom for Mother's Day, which is so ironic because, you know, like I'm writing a story about a dream that I have, but that's my artistry. I, I, yeah. I, workshopping and I'm making it happen and Yahoo wrote an article about that experience. I'm like, thank you. That's yeah. not what I'm looking That's for. amazing. Yeah. Which is mind blowing for me because again, it's a level of affirmation that I don't necessarily expect. It's just the artistry and the craft. I love that part of it. And I'm growing as an artist to really acknowledge that's the thing that I love. That's what I bring to the table. Where else in the world can I go that'll bring me safety long-term? Because this tumultuous life as an, as an artist, this tumultuous unknowing kind of feeling, I don't want it anymore. It's really fun booking these shows. It's fun booking these things. But long-term for me, my inner child, I really love to be able to feel safe. I love to be able to have softness. And that chase, that fight, there's a lot more people that are fighting for me. There's a lot of people advocating for me. I'm no longer alone. And what does that mean for me? And that's where I'm, that's where I'm at. And there's Paul Ramacho, that's where I'm at. Like that's where I'm at right now. And it's a very curious world that I'm walking into. And here you are. Dude, I, I, I really just want to say like, 
thank you so much for for sharing that with me. It's like I you are are truly such a beautiful soul and that and since I first met you, I just knew it. And like, you could see like, okay, he's going to do something. And then like, even while you were working your full-time job and like, you didn't even doing like the stereotypical actor full-time job of being like a waiter. You were like working like at a hospital freaking doing admin stuff. Right. And still able to balance, like trying to, trying to get that, the acting career, making that your full-time gig. And like you, you've, you've, I've seen your journey come from such a long way. And granted, we haven't been able to like talk or connect that much because like, you know, when you were having more free time, I was taking care of my mom. I had, I had zero free time. And then like, after she died, I I've lost myself for years, a couple of years because it's me processing and going like, what the fuck do I do now? everything that I knew that was me is now gone. And then like coming to this place now where I feel like I have a purpose and like, you know, the point of this podcast is we're, we're trying to share our stories and our experiences to hope that someone goes, Oh, I feel seen. Like I'm not the only one who's doing this. And I hope that whoever is watching and listening to this, you you know, that you aren't alone. And I hope there's something to take away from it. And Again, for me, that sounds really douchey. Like, who the fuck are you to say, like, I hope you, I hope, I hope I healed you. It's like, no, 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 that's not it at all. I swear. It's just, just like, like, I know for me personally, when I'm sharing my experiences, it, uh, people have told me it's helped them as humbling as that really is. And I'm, and I'm, I'm so grateful for you, for your time and sharing your experiences and, and doing this because I've seen how hard you've worked and where, where you're at now as an artist and as a human you your heart has led you here your beautiful heart has led you here and how you are as a as a as a man is and how warm and and welcoming you have been to to everyone around you has literally led to good things because i know when i was trying to get into hollywood and everything like that it was always about like who's asking you kiss uh you know cutthroat do whatever you had to do it was all based on looks and not not talent or anything like that and not only yes you are a very handsome man i have no shame of, of admitting that but you are extremely talented and you have the purest of souls and like that i knew that eventually that was going to lead you to great things and so i'm going to wrap this up because i've been holding you here i've been, <laughs> we've been holding you for such a long time and i appreciate your time so much but the way i end every podcast is I'm a big proponent on counting our victories for each day, no matter how big or how small they are. Even if it's, you just got out of bed to, uh, I solve world, world poverty in one day. Uh, so whatever that is. So my question to you, my friend is what is a victory that you have had today? I stepped outside. I got myself a cup of coffee and, um, I just did that for myself. That's such a simple thing. I'm very emotional right now. You, you brought me to tears. It's very genuinely kind. Did it. <laughs> yeah, man. Wow. That was not every day you hear that. Um, yeah, that's as simple as that is. It's one of the biggest self-care things that I do for myself is that I go out. I get a little bit of sun on my skin. And uh, I take myself out for something that I want. And it's hard for me to do that. And I, today I did it. It was a private that, thing. Typically it's a private thing, but 
yeah, technology, that, that for me is a massive thing in my life. And um, it's different for everyone, but for me, that's mine. No, dude, that, that is absolutely, that's fucking huge. That it, like, I, 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 I totally understand that feeling. I, whenever I do something for myself, I feel so extremely guilty about doing it uh, because, you know, you're taught to like put others before yourself or whatever. And like, for me, that's like, you're, you're, you're taking a moment to like fill up your own cup. So you can do something like this. Um, for me, it was, uh, I, <laughs> I got really vulnerable with somebody where, uh, I know I have, I have an, a, an anxious attachment style when it comes to like relationships, whether it be friend or romantic. And I, I got, and usually I just battle that on my own where it's just very like, I'm, I'm totally aware that I'm doing this and I'm just going to sit in silence and suffer while I'm freaking about like, if this person, if like, you know, if you like me, if, if you, if you, if you hate me or, or anything along those lines. Uh, and then I just told them about it and they had the audacity to be really kind and caring and, and like really accepting of it. And I was like, how dare you, <laughs> how dare you be okay with that? Um, but I, I, it was like a really big, it was a way that I got vulnerable with somebody that I've, I've never done before. And I was like, is this me evolving? Like, is this, is this what, is this what, is this what, is this what growing is like? Like what the, what the absolute fuck about like, okay, cool. And then I, I will say that my other huge victory is that I got to talk to you. Um, like seriously, like it was, I, I was I get really hesitant about reaching out and asking someone to come on. And I know, uh, cause that's part of my, like, I think everyone's too busy and like, they're never going to want to acknowledge me or like, go like, no, I can't, I'm too busy. Like, oh, no, no, it's fine. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and with your level of success and seeing what you're doing in this world, I was just like, man, there's probably no way, but I'm going to ask him anyways. And I'm going to see, I'll see if he'll do it. And you immediately just went, yeah, fuck. Yeah. When do you tell me? When are you free? I'm free this day, this day, this day, this day, this day, after this time, whenever you want, you just fucking tell me. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like, who is this man? My, my, in a heartbeat. You're putting good stuff out there, you know. Um, I know this is wrapping up, but I can't get out of here without saying your work speaks for itself, right? And that's that's the thing that I really enjoy for a lot of artists and people in general that I respect. What they do speaks for themselves and what you're putting out there into the world I align with so easily easily I say yes to it it's hard to it's hard to it's difficult because of a lot of obstacles that that get in the way because of the fear of rejection or the fear of however this connection will be but I know for me and everything that lines up all my values it's an easy yes I just have to trust my gut that I will be able to say yes and uh, show up when the opportunity presents itself. And the opportunity did. You you put something out there and I was like, yes, sir. For everything that you put out into the world, I want to be associated with that. I, I align with the kindness with which you play with. And um, yeah, man, this is, this is a great experience. Thanks for having me on, bro. Now you're trying to fucking get me emotional. How dare you, sir? How dare you? 
no, the fact that, you know, when I started doing like, 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 like TikTok and everything like that, it was like, it was, it became like a creative outlet for me. And I was just trying to put out like random ass content. And then when it turned into like mental health content, it, it, it changed because it became, I don't even want to call it art. It, it just became from within myself. It became authentic. It became me. And it was, it's been me putting myself out into the world, which is the fucking scariest thing in the entire fucking world going like, here I am. Hence the name of the podcast. Don't you just love it when they throw the name of the podcast or the movie into the thing? Yeah. Look at how that works. Um, <laughs> but it, it's very, it's, placements. yeah. Brought to you by me. Uh, Cause I don't have any sponsors. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a very, it's a very overwhelming, scary thing. And, um, and, and I just can't thank you enough for, for wanting to be a part of it, buddy. And I, I, I truly, truly appreciate you. And I appreciate all of you who are watching this or, listening to this and if you can do me a little favor and just please subscribe and leave a comment and you know um you know talk to us and like just let me know like what like what you're enjoying what you're not enjoying actually not what i'm not enjoying i'm gonna hurt my feelings by doing that no. <laughs> just being honest no <laughs> but i mean i've said it boundaries. Or this is my love language make it happen <laughs> Well, you know, do what you want. It's America, you know, feel free. Um, but I, I, but seriously, thank you to all of you who are watching and listening to this. I, 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 you have no idea how much I appreciate you and wanting to support this endeavor of mine. And I hope you all have an absolute wonderful day and that you please continue to be kind to yourselves because you deserve it. Whoever is telling that little voice that's in your head that is telling you that you're not worth it is lying to you and just know that you deserve to treat yourself with kindness. So be good, everybody. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you.